Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington flying solo today here in our lovely headquarters down here by the Statler Hilton. But joining me on the line today, the one and only Eddie Sefko from Chicago, where the Mavericks once again demonstrated Mavericks luck in the lottery going from third to fifth. How come this only happens to the Mavericks, Eddie? That's what I want to know. Well, there is no luck like Maverick luck. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, and even I think Dark said it best last night when he t- tweeted out, uh, of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody could see this coming. I actually thought they might stay at four or drop only to four. But no, no, two teams uh, two teams jumped over them, and including Sacramento, which it should be noted that the Kings actually went a fairly respectable 9-12 and 12 down the stretch uh, during the regular season, which suggests that they weren't exactly trying to tank and, and improve their lottery position. And sure enough, they, the, the gods uh, shined on them and, and rewarded them with a, a, a jump up from 7-2, to two, which is uh, uh, going to be huge for that franchise, by the way. I think, that, I think the Kings are actually better positioned right now than the Mavericks to, to, to make a leap up the standings. Well, I, yeah, I think so too. So, so let's let's look at this here uh, as we see it. And and I know you did a really good uh, lead up to the lottery, talking about the the, the top picks and, and the guys and and who you liked and why you liked and what was the matter with them as well. I think everybody thinks that the uh, consensus first pick is DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and uh, I, do you have any reason to believe now, even though Phoenix hired one of Luka Doncic's uh, uh, former coaches? Do you think there's any way that they don't take him, Aiton, with the first pick? I have a hard time seeing it, um, just because I, I think he's the he's the dominant player that, that that can be had. Now that doesn't always mean it's going to be the best player down the road. Uh, and I, there are a lot of people who think Doncic is going to be really good and and maybe even a you know a, a very special kind of player. But he's, uh, you know, I just think it's a sure thing and a better chance with Aiton than 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 the uh, Slovenian kid, and and you know you're going to have to go through a a learning process with either one of them really, but uh, especially with a guy coming over from Europe, even though he's been a professional for three years now, I mean, uh, he's he's you know he's pretty well polished, but I do think it'll be Aiton, and and uh, I thought Josh Jackson last night at the lottery. Uh, he was the Suns' representative up on the stage there, and, and he just basically said afterwards, uh, we, we need the big guys. So uh, I don't know if he was tipping the hand or just, just kind of speaking, <laughs> speaking his mind there, but I, I, I agree with him. Uh, so if he I, – I think no matter what happens here, no matter what Phoenix decides, it'll be one and two will be in whatever order will be eight and Donches, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, Probably so. Uh, I mean, I think uh, uh, Sacramento will will take whichever one's left there and be very happy. I think Bagley is. is I think it's a top three draft. I mean, if you were in the top, if you're in the top three, you're happy. If you're sitting there in Atlanta and you moved up past the Mavericks to, to three, you're feeling pretty good because you're going to get one of those three guys and you take them and move up, move happily along. I think Bagley is going to be a pretty good pro. So, um, I mean, th- th- those three players, I think. Everybody agrees are head and shoulders above everybody else, unless somebody comes out of the out of the woodwork in the in the in the individual workouts, like like a Michael Porter or somebody like that that, 
is kind of a wild card uh, and just blows people away with his workouts and everything, then then that could change things. But but right now, I think it's those three at the top. Yeah. So if you get past those three, and I and I think those guys will be the first three picks in whatever order, um, then you get to four and five, um, and uh, it's a matter of what Memphis does at four, and then what the then that leaves the Mavericks at five. Um, I, I think it's, it's going to come down to Jaron Jackson Jr. or Mo Bamba. Do you do you see somebody sneaking in front of those two guys? Um, you know, like I said, I think it depends on how Michael Porter looks in workouts because teams are going to go over his back issues with a fine tooth comb, and and if he passes all the all the the, the eyeball tests and the, and the physical tests, then. You know, I mean, a year ago at this time, people were saying if he could come straight out of college, he'd have been the number one pick. Right. So, uh, I mean, we can't discount the guy, that the, the, the kind of talent that this guy has. It's just that it, it, there's some red flags with the health. So uh, that's that's what teams are going to have to resolve. And and I was talking to Pat Williams, uh, the, the Orlando uh, executive, last night. And he, I mean, and they're picking right after the Mavericks at six. So uh, they're very interested in what's going on at, at four and five. They, uh, Pat said he agrees that he thinks Jaron Jackson would be the, the fourth pick probably as things stand now. So then you're looking at at uh, Porter and, and Bamba and, and Wendell Carter. And, I mean, who knows, maybe Trey Young blows people away and, and jumps up a little bit. Uh, you know, every, everybody's so infatuated with getting shooting guards right now that, that uh, you know, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, totally be shocked if he gets into the conversation so uh they're good players there they're just not quite on the level of, of the top three yeah at least not initially yeah that's that's what i, I want to talk about two things here do you really think it's possible and then and and, and and absolutely that was the the book on michael porter coming out of high school that he was the, the best talent in the draft um can you really gamble on a guy who's had that kind of back issue this young uh, with a pick that high? Well, I mean, unless you're just dead solid certain that, that you've run him through every test and, and, and he, he's passing every, uh, every, uh, every test that you can throw in front of him, then I would not. I mean, I'm just, I, I just think there's, there's, there's th- those guys that ride in that area are so similar in talent. And, 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 uh, I'd rather have a guy that, that I know is, is healthy and built for the long run, and uh, and and you know somebody who has the, the the really hardcore drive and and work ethic that that is going to go. And I don't know, maybe Porter has that. I'm not I'm not saying he doesn't, but uh, give me the the hardest worker and the and the guy with the the the, the most level head and the, and the most sound body, and and I'd take him uh, at that point because I do think those guys are all fairly similar in terms of. Some of them are going to hit, some of them are going to miss. You just try to try to find the one that you think's got the best chance of being a, a solid starter for you, and maybe even a, a more than that. Now, our old buddy and colleague uh, Tim Kalashaw uh, wrote a column the other day saying that um, that you know big men are obsolete, and that uh, here, here the Golden State Warriors get by with uh, Zaza Pachulia is their uh, nominal starting center. Uh, on occasion, and uh, and you don't need that, and so therefore the, the the Mavericks should take just the best player, no matter who that player is. Which you know, I I think that people 
probably don't disagree with that too much. If you're if you think you're you know when you're drafting that high, you should be taking uh, the best player. It's just that a guy like DeAndre Ayton to me maybe is the best player uh, when you take combination of talent and size and everything else that 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 comes along with it. Um, so uh, I, I think what he was intimating there was either you take uh, uh, this was before the lottery, of course, that, that Luka Doncic, you know, is is he he might be that best player, or that might be that might be Trey Young if he does sneak up into that that, that category of of the where the Mavericks would would be picking at five. Uh, I, I'm wondering if really. Uh, is not now Doncic's going to be out of the question, but is, is Trey Young? You're you got a uh, you had uh, some Oklahoma ties. Your daughter went to Oklahoma, so are are you a, a Trey Young fan? Uh, I am. I'm also a Colin Sexton fan. I think he's got a little something that that I just think is going to translate real well into the NBA game. Uh, those two guys are, are are the clear best point guard type players available, unless you consider Doncic a point guard, which some people do. Right. Uh, and, and you know, those those guys are going to go in the top ten. There's no question. Uh, just a matter of how far up. You know, and, and in regard to, to the big guys, uh, Kevin, I, I think, you know, I, I'll fall back on our old buddy Mark Cuban here, uh, who all, a lot of times says if everybody's doing it, it's probably, you know, then you don't want to f- fall in line and just be one of the people who follow the, the trends uh, in this game. Uh, you know, and, he, and of course, he said that about tanking a couple of years ago. You don't want to do it. Of course, now he did it. So uh, sometimes you do what you got to do. Right. But uh, everybody's going to the smaller lineups. And, and by the way, Draymond Green plays like a center. Yeah, you know, absolutely. For, for Golden State. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and Clint Capella, last I checked, is a pretty big guy and a, and a good, solid young center that's going to be around for a long time. You know, and and there are others. You know, you're going to have to deal with Carl Anthony Towns. You're going to have to deal with Rudy Gobert, and that, that they those guys aren't going away. Joel Embiid, and you're and you're going to have to you're going to have to fight these guys in the Western Conference if you're if you're going to go anywhere. So, um, and Aiton, you know, so I, I I still think size matters in the NBA, uh, and and you know, for me. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to have that guy and go out and get me 12 rebounds every night. Just put him in the book. You know, you don't have to worry about it. He's going to do it, uh, and especially for a team that can't rebound the ball to save its butt. So, um, you know, I, I think it's sometimes if you, everybody says, "Oh, go small, go small," hey, maybe maybe now's the time to go a little bigger. I mean, Philadelphia is playing big. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there now that are that are throwing out. You know, a seven footer and a six eleven and a six eight guy up in the front line, and, and six seven guys in the backcourt. So, uh, or in Philly's case, a six ten point guard. So, right. uh, I mean, these there's no formula for this thing that's that's just I mean, tried and true and guaranteed to work. So, I think you go at this thing with an open mind and, and look at it and say, hey, uh, we're going to take the best player. And but you know, I, I wouldn't be, uh, I certainly wouldn't be averse to, to them taking. Uh, Bamba at five, or if they think he's the best player and the best fit. Well, now that's where all right, this is where I come in. I, I want to say first of all, what we were talking about to me, it's it's difficult to parse this thing and say, oh, everybody's going small now because it's just what you said. Golden State can go small because they got Draymond Green, who plays terrific defense uh, and basically can guard anybody. And you've got the greatest shooter in the history of the game in the, in the backcourt. So when you have things like that, that makes up for any other deficiencies that you may have. Uh, and uh, and I think that's the way you have to look. You have to look at the chemistry of the team. 
in my mind. And in the Mavericks case, as we as we well know, and for a long time now, it has been a team that's basically been, for the most part, a soft defensive team, uh, a, a not a good rebounding team. The the year they won the title, of course, is is back when they had our our old friend uh, uh, Tyson and and uh, what he could do. Uh, you know, on defense and how he changed uh, the Mavericks. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Mavericks won a title in the year that he was here, that Tyson Chandler was here. And, and I think that that, to me, is what you – that is probably if, – if the Mavericks got screwed in the, by the lottery gods or if that was just karma and that's what they should have gotten, by dropping to five – the the one thing about these the the three guys that would go first is that none of the three is a particularly good defensive player or at least not considered to be, and yet when you get to to a Jaron Jackson Jr. or a Mo Bamba that is what they are known for is what they can do on defense uh, as shot blockers. Jackson also a great three point shooter didn't didn't play a lot of minutes uh, at Michigan State that that would bother me a little bit tend to get tend to get in foul trouble that bothers me a little bit too. Um, and, and then, of course, Mo Bamba, he's got his issues as well. This is a guy, very kind of a willowy player, kind of – you're an old Houston guy too. You remember Ralph Sampson, kind of reminds you of that a little bit uh, in, uh, in what his skill set might be. Um, but he's a tremendous shot blocker and a tremendous rebounder. And, and to me, when you can get one of these things in, in that uh, number five pick, if you could get a guy who can play defense and rebound for you, well, then you've done pretty well. Yeah, I mean, and and I agree with you that I mean, you want somebody with at least one really really good skill set, whether that's defense and the shot blocking, or whether it's Trey Young with a drop dead gorgeous jumper. I mean, you want somebody out there out of that pick that has an NBA skill that is is beyond doubt. And those those guys are tend to, uh, you know, you can work with them in other areas of the game and get them up to to, to at least a level that they can survive. Uh, in other areas of the game, but if they can do one thing really, really well, then that that's you're you're ahead of the game because hey, you can miss at five. I mean, there have been a lot of players that have come out with the fifth pick and 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 even higher that that just didn't work, you know. And teams ended up kicking themselves for passing on somebody lower. So uh, I mean, last year's draft was 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 not a good example of that because I think all those guys up at the top are going to end up being pretty decent players. Uh, so. But there, it happens from time to time, you know, even even in drafts that you think are strong. So, uh, yeah, I, I like your idea of, of, I mean, if you've got a guy who can who can do, give you one solid thing, uh, you, you're probably ahead of the game. I mean, would you like to have a well-rounded, perfect player? Sure, of course, everybody would, but you're not going to get that at five. No, no, you're not. And and I think that's the, the thing. To me, that was why I, I've kind of been on the Bomba bandwagon here, uh, so to speak. Is because, um, yeah, there are legitimate concerns about, you know, what's his motor going to be like in the NBA? And is he just going to be like a, a slightly larger ver- version of Nerlens Noel? Man, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be like. But I think when I watch him play, and I, I see him block shots, and he's just basically reaching. He's not even jumping to block shots. Uh, you know, he's very smart the way he does it. And, and, uh, and, that, and that's just a game changer to me. I, I just think the ceiling on him is really high as a defensive player and a rebounder and shot blocker. I, I think that, you know, if he is another Rudy Gobert, who, by the way, I guess Rudy was like, what, the 27th pick when he came out, something like that? Uh, yeah, right there at the tail end of the first round. Right yeah. Out. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. Um, I, someone told me that uh, the Mavericks, 
uh, had Rudy in for a workout and just decided ah, he was too soft. Uh, which you know, those are the, you know other people make the uh, decisions that aren't great too. Uh, the Mavericks, uh, of course, have have seemed to have made uh, uh, more of these kind of decisions than than most people. Eddie, you know, I went back and looked at every one of the Mavericks drafts, and I and I tried to figure out going by win shares, trying to decide who was the best player in each one of those drafts, and how how often did the Mavericks pass on that guy, uh, which it came up ten times that they could have had the best, who, the guy who ended up being the best player in that draft, and they whiffed on it, but they did get it twice. I want I'm running a little quiz here with you, Eddie. Uh, who were the two players they got? who ended up being the best player in that draft, according to win shares? Well, I would imagine Dirk. Yeah, uh, that's one. And, I, and I, uh, of course, that wasn't technically their own draft pick. No, but, that's, uh, that's correct. But uh, well, I would assume uh, Jason Kidd might be the other one. Jason Kidd was the other one. Eddie, you win the award. You get the prize today. Two for two. Way to go. Good job. Yeah, those were the two best players, according to win shares, in, in each of those drafts. Um I don't think that's a coincidence either that those two guys ended up being on the championship team. Uh, it's hard to go wrong when you when you had those kind of picks. Of course, Jason was the second pick in the draft. Uh, Dirk was the ninth pick when they made the trade. That uh, they traded Tractor Trailer, uh, who was the sixth pick for Dirk. Of course, they went into that I think thinking that's what they were going to do uh, all along. So, which was crazy that they would risk that, right? Uh, why not just go ahead and take Dirk at six? But. Uh, at any rate, that, that's what they did. Uh, now, now, when they have had a top-five pick, that, that's happened seven times if you count the uh, Devin Harris trade, who was the fifth pick out of Wisconsin. Um, they have come up with the likes of um, Mark Aguirre, who was the first pick of the draft, uh, Bill Garnett, who was, who was the fourth and, and the worst of the, of the top-five picks that they've had, then they had the the triplets there in the early '90s. Jamal Mashburn was a four. Uh, you know, Jim Jackson was a four. Uh, Kid was a two. Um, and uh, who am I leaving out? Sam Perkins was also a four. Uh, and then we had Devin Harris. So really, when you look at it from that standpoint, that's not a bad group. You could you could make a pretty decent little team out of that with with Perkins at center and Kid at, at point guard and Mashburn Jackson. Um, uh, playing for you, uh, I think you can you can do pretty well with that. And so, to me, that's what that says is that even even a team like the Mavericks, which has had some sketchy picks uh, over its history, could have been the Utah Jazz if they'd taken John Stockton and Carl Malone in consecutive years, which they could have done. Um, is that uh, that it's hard to screw up that those top five picks? Now they've screwed them up. You know, they they also took Doug Smith at six. Uh, but uh, but inside that top five, their history is is not too bad. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Un- unfortunately, Bill Garnett tarnishes that whole thing because he was one of the worst picks of all time. But but uh, uh, yeah, and Doug Smith was a, even though he was six, he was a high pick and expected big things, and that didn't work out too well. But yeah, I mean, by and large, when they've been in, when they've had opportunities with with really high picks, they've done okay, and uh, and you're supposed to. Yeah, uh, better. What, what you what what you got to avoid is Greg Oden, you know, and, yes. you, and you and you've got to uh, avoid guys like uh, uh, Michael Ola Candy. Those were two number one picks that just were awful, you know. And and and, and that's you can't have that happen. Even at five, you got to get somebody that's that's going to uh, contribute for you for a long, long time and hopefully be a starter and and maybe even more. 
If you, if uh, whoever they take this year, obviously, as you said, it has to hit. Because if they whiff on this, Eddie, uh, and it becomes clear that they've done that, how how far how far far back does that set the Mavericks? Well, let's put it this way: Sacramento uh, jumped up from seven to two uh, last night in the lottery. That was Sacramento's twelfth consecutive trip <laughs> to the lottery. You That's know, phenomenal, it, isn't it? And it started back with some really bad picks back early on when they thought, oh, we'll, we'll just, you know, we're only going to be here for a year or two. Well, that's what everybody thinks when they get in the lottery. And sometimes it can be really, really hard to get out of it. Uh, and, you know, it's even Phoenix, I mean, the eight in a row for Phoenix, that's, that's a, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be these teams. You know, there's a reason why they, they've been stuck in the lottery, and it's because they haven't made the right picks and they haven't, and, and a lot of it's luck. you got to have some luck. Uh, but, you know, I, I was I said early on in our, our little talk here that I think I'd rather be Sacramento's roster right now than, than the Mavericks roster right now, and I, I'm not so sure that's not, not true because the, the Kings have a, 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 a some pretty good young players, and the number two pick is going to be a, uh, an ass kicker. Uh, one way or the other, so uh, you know they're in good shape. That doesn't mean they won't be back for a thirteenth trip next next May to the lottery. But uh, you know, I think the Mavericks are. It's going to take some serious uh, some serious uh, fortune for them to to make a leap uh, like they're hoping to make this this next season. Yeah, I, I'm citing more on, on the Rick Carlisle uh, analysis of all this is that they'll be right back in the in the lottery next year. Of course, the, the, here's the difference: next year it's going to be a lot harder to tank and get that top pick, right? Well, yeah, it, it, we don't know how that's going to work out yet, but teams will still find a way to benefit themselves as much as they can. You can be you can bet on that, uh, but um, yeah, in, in theory, anyway, we don't know the unintended. Uh, uh, circumstances that might pop up down the road, but in theory, uh, it should make uh, the integrity of the, the, those games uh, later in the season a little bit better. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not, not sure how this is all going to pan out. But let me ask you one last thing here: of these guys in the top, let's take the top five picks and the guys we've talked about. Who do you think is the most ready to play right now? Who do you think will step right in for their team and be immediately be an impact player? Well, I mean, the easy answer is Aiton, uh, just because I think he's he's got the, the he's got the highest ceiling and the highest uh, uh, you know talent level that, that, that uh, of all those guys. But but I, I'll tell you what I I think uh, I think the kid from Europe, Doncic, is going to going to come in and and uh, uh, you know he's he, I mean go back and look at Dirk first year we all thought oh good lord this guy's going to He's got a long way to go, and he may never, never get it. And, and you know, halfway through his second season, when everybody was going, "Oh, yeah, he's got it." So uh, that's 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 what I see happening with that guy. I think he's going to be that good. Uh, maybe not the first year that he comes in. Uh, if you're looking for guys like that, I mean, I think guys that have been, you know, are a little older uh, could could be a little bit more, say, NBA ready, but they're probably not as skilled. So. Uh, it's a fine line on that deal, but but uh, I like Aiton, and I, I like uh, and you know what I'm going to say it again. This kid from Alabama, you know, he's uh, he got a lot of words from Avery Johnson. I'm sure about what the NBA is like. I think the kid's got a little something, and I don't know what it is, but I, I I'm going to watch him uh, very closely uh, 
uh, early on in his career. Well, all right. I said it was the last question, and you brought up Colin Sexton, so I'm going to go one more question here, Eddie, real quick. Because uh, you brought up him and Trey Young, those are both point guards. Could they really? Could one of those guys actually coexist with Dennis Smith Jr.? Sure. Why not? I mean, uh, the, 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 you know, you'd, you'd be looking at a small backcourt, uh, but Dennis plays a little bit bigger than he than he is, uh, and and you know, the court is getting stretched out so far now with with shooters uh, that thank Steph Curry for that. Uh, that that you know you can maybe get away with it. I mean these guys. I mean if Trey Young is out there at twenty seven, twenty eight feet, and and can hit that shot consistently, and and he did for a while in college until he hit some sort of a wall about halfway through the college season. Uh, then yeah, I mean I w- I think you need playmakers. I don't I don't think you worry too much about positions uh, when you're this early in a rebuilding process. I think you get the best player you can get and you go with it. Now, are those guys going to be the best player at number five? I, I don't know the answer to that, and I kind of tend to think no. But, uh, you know, a lot's going to depend on when they come through for their individual workouts, and and, uh, and I'm sure Dennis will be uh, uh, be there to, to see some of that. And, and, you know, who knows? I mean, if, if, if the small ball thing is, uh, is a, a thing that's going to last in the NBA for a long, long time, then, then sure, why not? If that's the best player you can get, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having a hard time thinking that at five it wouldn't be a reach. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Eddie, you staying up in Chicago for a few days for the uh, for the rookies? I'll be at the combine tomorrow, uh, which cranks up, and then uh, we'll get some uh, response from uh, hopefully uh, Mo Bamba and Trey Young and some other guys about uh, what what it would like to be a Maverick if if that's where they would. Uh, end up being being and uh we'll we'll see what they have to say beautiful eddie i'm glad you're in charge up there and taking all this on here i hope i hope that you can uh do a good job for the mavericks they need all the help they can get <laughs> no they didn't listen to me sometimes so uh you know that that's their fault <laughs> yes yes it is i'm blaming them for that thanks eddie always great to have you on appreciate it all right thanks kevin see you there goes Eddie Sefko, the man on the scene up in Chicago. He's uh, he's on top of all of that up there. Eddie did a great job leading up to the lottery and kind of uh, looking at some of these players and and uh, and what they might project to be and what they might project to be for the Mavericks. Uh, as as we all know, uh, when the season actually starts, it doesn't always work out like everybody planned. Markel Fultz was the number one pick in the draft, uh, but the best pick in the draft. Uh, if you there are different ways to look at it, but everybody believes that Donovan Mitchell, uh, as a rookie, was the best of that group, and he was number 13. Uh, that was a pretty deep draft last year. Uh, this one is expected to be fairly deep as well. Um, can the Mavericks get a really good impact player at five? I think they can. I think they can get a guy who can make a difference, and I think the difference they have to have is on defense um, because of the chemistry, as we talked about earlier. You can say all you want to that it's not a big man's league anymore, but if you're not playing defense otherwise, if there's no one else on the team, and I'm not going to count Wesley Matthews, if there's no one else on the team who's really ratcheting it up on defense and there's no one really getting a lot of rebounds, it's hard to win. doesn't matter how much offense you have. It's hard to win without that element. So 
all these teams, all the great teams have those elements. They have a little bit of everything or else they couldn't get where they are today. So that does it for our Mavericks lottery podcast, Maverick luck, as, uh, as Eddie calls it, that might end up being a, a euphemism for buzzard luck, uh, Maverick luck and same thing going from third to fifth in the lottery. We also are going to have on a frequent guest of this podcast, Mr. Evan Grant, who covers uh, baseball for the Texas Rangers. He is in Seattle where Robinson Cano is now sitting out uh, because of a, uh, a violation, uh, which is very interesting. And the, and the Rangers are trying to, to keep uh, the ship afloat, or at least they're bailing water right now. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks. We'll see you.